Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Great to be here tonight and uh, have the opportunity to share with you. Um, I won't be long. That's a funny thing for a preacher to say, right? Yeah, but I'll try to uh, keep my comments brief, but I I do want to share some things with you, but uh, it's always an honor to come and be a part and and see the good things that are happening here at Refuge Church uh, through your pastors and through your life together. And in all three of your ministries, right? And so uh, glad to have all three represented tonight. And uh, you're doing a great thing. You're doing a great thing. I've always uh, been impressed with everything that I've seen, not only in the school, but the daycare, and then also in the church. And so it's good for time to time for you all to come together and and, uh, as a team, because you work together and sometimes you don't see each other as much. And so... Uh, this is always a joy to come and uh, and to be with you and to share some thoughts uh, with you that I, I pray would encourage you. Um, it's always an encouragement to to hear some some things that we're doing, that we're doing right, and some things that we could always do better, right? Amen. And so um, I'm just uh, excited for this entire weekend. We've already had two wonderful meetings. We have uh, tonight and then tomorrow morning and then Sunday night, and then they're going to let me go home, or they're sending me home. And uh, But I bring you greetings from Tulsa, uh, from Transformation Church. God's been doing some incredible things. We just finished a conference, and um, <clears throat> we have partners from all over the country that, that uh, actually all over the world. And so we opened up our new facility, which we just purchased a few uh, weeks ago, and uh, opened it up for a conference for uh, our friends from all over the country and all 50 states and 30 different countries uh, sent people to our conference. And there were over 4,000 people that joined us in Tulsa. And I mean, God just filled the place and changed lives. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. So I'm fresh out of that. So feeling good. Amen. And glad to be here with you uh, this evening. I wanted to talk about some very practical, real, and basic things. But how many know if you don't follow through with the basic things in life, somehow your foundation gets disrupted? And so I want to just give you some principles on leadership because all of you represent leadership here today in some form or fashion. If you're teaching a class or you have a class of children or you're in some position within the church, then you're a leader. And um, leaders are essential, as Pastor said, without your involvement in all three of these ministries, there wouldn't be ministries. And so what you do uh, is to be commended, and, and how you serve, because how many know we're all servants, right? We're all servants. If, if, if you think leadership is anything more than designated service, you probably have misrepresented leadership because that's all it is. It's just, it just your title describes how you serve and who you serve. But we're all servants, right? All servants of God. And so if you teach a class in the, in the school, then you are responsible for that class and you serve those students. If you have a, a class in, the, in daycare, then, then you'd have that class and you serve those children. If you're 
if you're a greeter, you serve those who are walking in. If you work in the parking lot, you serve those who are driving in. If you are a worship, part of the worship team, then you serve us by bringing us before God's presence and, and so on. So everybody serves. We're all servants. And when we have that attitude, things really happen and things change. And, and by the way, Jesus said, the grace among you shall be your servant, right? Your servant. And so if, if you want to achieve greatness, you learn to become a servant of people. Our president serves our nation, right? And our senators serve our states and so on. So, so we're all servants of God. And, and I just want to uh, commend you for that as, as servants in all three of your areas. And so I want to just give six elements of a church or ministry leader. And I put church leader because I normally speak to church leaders, but that goes into the school, it goes into the daycare. So six elements of leadership that are essential for every one of us that are serving in whatever area we serve. And so I want to go through these um, just uh, one at a time, and, and uh, they're going to put them up if you want to take notes. If you just want to listen, that's fine too. The first element that's essential is that we love God. Now, you would say, well, we take that for granted. You know, I mean, if you work in a church or a Christian daycare or Christian school, you love God, right? So don't even talk about that. We got that. But sometimes that basic needs to be reinforced. Do you hear me tonight? Sometimes we need to make sure that just because we're working in a Christian environment that we don't let certain things slip in our lives. That, that a leader stays, stays in love with God, right? And there's, there's elements of that. And Matthew 22, verse 35 through 38 says, the one, one of them, an expert of the law, tested Jesus with a question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That, that he was saying, okay, now, we're going to test you because we need to know what's the greatest commandment because there's so many commandments in the Bible. And he said, love the Lord. Love the Lord. The basic, love the Lord. Love the Lord, which means you didn't come tonight because they made you come. You came because you're a servant of God and you love what you do and you love God. Therefore, there may be something here tonight that would help you or encourage you, right? So, so those of you that are married, how many know... You're married, and that's great, which means you're in covenant, which is really great. But how many know you need to stay in love? You just don't live together in the same house and call that a relationship. You have to stay in love with your spouse, right? Which means, men, that sometimes you need to say it. I don't need to say it. She knows what I mean. You know, no, she doesn't. She needs to hear it, right? And all women are going like this right now. But... (laughs) I saw some of you, but, but, you know, and so the same thing is true with, with your love for God. You need to stay in love with God because one day he came and, and he said, I love you infinitely. I love you just as you are, but I want to set you free from everything that's holding you back. And I paid a price to do that with my son, Jesus Christ, right? And you fell in love with God. But just because that day happened a year ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, doesn't mean you've stayed in love. So the key, first key ingredient to any leader in any 
realm is that you stay in love with God. And there's things that you need to do to stay in love with God. Number one, you need to talk to Him, right? You need to talk to your spouse. Amen? You need to talk to your friends. You need to talk with God. Stay in love with Him by first talking with Him. You might call that prayer. But prayer isn't some big, ethereal kind of uh, language that's weird. God, thou knowest that in this hour that... He, he doesn't want your speech in King James English. He wants your heart, which means you got to talk to him out of your heart, right? And when you go through stuff, you got to ask for his help. Well, he knows he's omniscient, which means he knows everything. Yeah, but he still wants to hear it. I need your help, Lord, or whatever. You know, it, it's, you gotta, you got to communicate with God. You got to study his commandments. You got to study the word of God. You just, you just read it. Some people say, well, yeah, but I, I, I want to get an hour and I never seem to have an hour. Welcome to life. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to find an hour. But I, I found that if people do something consistent over time, it's far more than those who do it every, every month, one time, right? So just get in, into the word. Just read systematically. Just one thought, one chapter, five verses, however you need to break it down. But you're better off to be consistent to stay in the word than to read six chapters once a month or six or a book once a month, right? So, so stay in love with the Lord. You've got to love him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Think on these things. You know, you just got to stay in love with God. I want to encourage you with that because many times as I've gone through this country, people take things for granted, and they just do things because now they know how to do them. I used to tell preachers, I said, the worst thing you can do is learn how to preach. Because if you learn how to preach, you can preach without preparation. But if you stay in love with God and stay before Him, He gives you a word, not just the word, to preach. And you preach it out of relationship. So when you love children out of relationship with God... You give greater love than just being a kind person. You love with agape love, unconditional love, these children. We don't know what some of the children faced that week or what they went through that week or, you know, what they're feeling and they don't even know how to express. So they need the love of God through your life. And when you receive love, you can give love, right? So come on, say, a leader must love God. Say, a leader must love God. Secondly... Leaders need to learn how to love their pastors. Now, they didn't ask me to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. Amen? A leader loves their, their pastor. Why? Because it's the person that's been assigned over their lives. So you have two pastors, and, and they work within all three ministries. But you need to be thankful and grateful and appreciative that they have these ministries and that you can be involved. And because everybody needs to be involved. How many know your giving produces life? Your giving produces life. And so when you give and you're volunteering in areas, life is flowing to you so it can get through you. So if you're a greeter and you've had a bad week, but you come to church and you step out in that foyer and people are walking in, and you, out of the love of God, you say, good morning, God bless you. 
You may not feel all joyous inside, but you stand in that position and love starts flowing out of you because you're giving. And so even in your own need, God starts to fulfill your need as you give to others. And, and so it becomes vitally important that we understand that, that these, are, these are essential, basic principles in our life, right? So, so loving your pastor means that, that I am under an authority ordained by God. It, it doesn't mean that somebody's going to dominate you and control you and dictate to your life. It just means that I'm in proper order. So the New Testament word for that is submission. Submission isn't somebody pushing you under themselves. It's you getting under somebody. It's called submission, getting under them and undergirding their vision. And their vision has to be threefold. Daycare, Christian school, and a church. And so when you volunteer, you get up under the vision that God has given them directly, and you support them. And so, so it becomes very important. The Bible says this, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church are well are worthy of double honor. Our society is void of that principle because so many people have hurt us and disappointed us that we don't want to honor anybody anymore. We don't, we don't honor our congressmen, our, our senators, our president. We just, there's no honor. It's just... We don't honor our pastors the way we should. And these, these two have given, because I've been in their life for 25 years, for 35 years, they've given their life to these three ministries. Now, they haven't been, all of them haven't been in existence for 35 years, but they, they've been birthed out of this local church. And they have given their lives. And I know what it takes to pastor. I pastored for 45 years. I'm not pastoring a church right now, but I know what it takes and it's probably one of the most difficult things I have ever seen or experienced in my entire life. Working with people at this level is not the easiest thing. And so sometimes when you feel that, that people appreciate your commitment and your dedication, it just encourages us. So we brought you here tonight to encourage you. But somebody ought to say thank you, pastors, for for what they have done for 35 years. In fact, I think we ought to just do it right now. Amen. I think you ought to clap your hands and say thank you, Pastor Deb and Pastor Matt, for, for having this vision that we get to be a part of. So, so I know we should take that for granted, but a lot of times, you know, pastors don't feel appreciated. They go home defeated half the time. You know why? Because people vote every Sunday. Did you know that? You vote every Sunday. You vote with your attendance. You vote with your participation. You vote with your giving. And some people vote no on a Sunday. And so if half the people voted no and half the people voted yes, you go home feeling half empty. So, so, so it becomes important that we value and honor those who serve. Can I get an amen? That was a pretty weak amen. Can I get an amen? Okay, number three. Say, how many points does he have? 26. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Number three, a leader loves the vision. A leader loves the vision. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets 
so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits appointed time and speaks of an end. It will not prove false, though it linger. Wait for it. It will certainly come about and will not delay. You are here either serving in some capacity or serving in some area of the church or ministry or daycare or school because somebody had a vision for this place 35 years ago. And out of this church came the daycare, and out of the daycare and the church came the school, and they had a vision. These were visions. We care about children, we care about young people, and we care about adults. That's pretty, amen, widespread, right? And so they they had a vision. So he said, write the vision down that those that read it can run with it. So so when we, we call refuge a place for people... We are refuge. It means that, that we're refuge for children. We're refuge for young people. We're refuge for families and adults. We're, we're a place that you can feel safe and comfortable and hear the word of God and, and institute the word of truth to change your living because as truth dominates your life from God's word, it produces life after life. And the Bible says life more abundant. I don't know about you, but life is okay, but life abundant is really good. Amen? And so Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, but that you can have life more abundant. And so if we live just like the world and we love Jesus, but that's life, that, that's not enough. He said, I came that you have life more abundant, which means I want to affect every area of your life. So I need access so I can come in and change your relationship and change your finances and change your outlook because I'm capable of doing that because I'm God. So, so it becomes vitally important that we understand the vision of the house. The vision of the house is changing lives. To be a place that people can feel safe and comfortable and let God do some operation in them. How many, how many, know, how many would say that since you've come to God, he's done some things in your life? It's changed some areas of your life. Let me see your hands real, real high. Just wave at me a second. All right? Almost everybody. All right? If, if he hasn't, God bless you. And you are in the right place, and we're glad you're here tonight. Amen. So we have to understand the vision. We have to understand the vision. There are a lot of people that live life, but they have no vision. Vision is different than sight. Sight is where you're at. Vision is where you're going. Sight is, is where you're at. And so... That's why the Bible says we don't live by sight. We live by faith because faith tells us about our future. Sight tells us about our present. And if you're going through things in your present and you think that is your reality, there's no way out. Right? If I'm facing financial problems today and I can't see anything but today, I have no hope for the future. But he says we don't live by sight. We live by faith, which means we have vision which means I may be going through problems right now, but I'm not going to in the future. I may have, our finances may be tight today, but I know a God who said he is provider, Jehovah Jireh, and he's my God, and so he's Jehovah Jireh to me. So have your way now, enemy, and do what you need to do because I'm moving out of here, going into my future. Jehovah Jireh is leading me, and I can get out of this stuff. That's vision. That's vision. That's why leaders have to love vision. Have to love vision. I trust that if you're here and you're a member of 
the church or work in the daycare or, or the school, you see the vision. You see the vision to love children. You see the vision to love young people. You see the vision to change adults. And you love the vision. Number four, you need to learn as a leader to love God's house. Most of you attend this church. Some of you don't that work in the, especially the daycare. You might go to another church, but you need to love God's house. God's house is God's gathering place. And so when we serve God's house, we serve the people that come to this church or your church that you attend. That's God's house. God's house is not like any other house. It's his house. He takes glory in his house. He resides in his house. He moves in his house. And that's why the Bible says there are three areas of his house that are essential. The first area of his house is attendance. That's why in Hebrews 10.25, he said, let us, not, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards uh, love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as the manner of some is. Some have decided that God's house isn't really that important, and when I have time, I may attend. But leaders do not have that privilege to decide whether you're going to attend. Leaders attend because that's what God asks us. He said, some people have made the decision not to come, but that's not you. So you, if you're praying about whether to attend church or not, you're not praying according to the will of God, and he doesn't hear you anyways. Leaders don't pray about that. He said, my house. And so, what if an emergency happens? What if that happens? That's fine. We don't need to talk about that. That's understandable. But it means that other than that, you're in God's house because you're a leader, right? You're a leader. And so, if you attend another church, then be faithful to that house. But if you attend this church, be faithful to this house. Some have given up. In fact, we're told today that the average member of a church goes to church 2.7 times. Isn't that interesting? That society has changed, that people are deciding whether to go to church or not, as if church is an option. You see, church can't be an option, and it's not this dominant rule of, of a fist towards your life. It's this is where we get filled. This is where we get hope. This is where we get change. This is where we meet with God and we worship him. See, a leader is a worshiper. A leader doesn't sit there during praise and worship like this, like impress me if you can. A leader enters in, amen? A real leader should be worshiping from their car to the building, amen, because this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's, I, I'm, talk, I'm talking to leaders tonight. Hello. Amen. So, so it becomes very important that we understand a leader loves God with his attendance. About, uh, uh, same below that, number four, a leader loves God, God's house with their tithe. Oh, I knew he was going to talk about this. Well, I'm glad you knew. Amen. And you still came. And you're here, so I will talk about it. Amen. God's tithe. I've, I've always said my, my whole adult life, if the government operated on God's principles, we'd never have a problem. Why, why do some people get out of paying taxes? It's usually the very wealthy. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. They, there's loopholes, and they find them. And they find them, and there's, it's not against the law if it's a loophole. But if everybody just paid the same amount, Amen. Some call it flat tax in the political world, but I mean, 
It's just basic. God said, if everybody ties, called 10%, amen, all the needs of my house will be taken care of, and you won't have to raise money. You'd never have to raise money. Not a dime in this house, not a dime in, you know, everything would be taken care of. Everything would be taken care of. Everything would be paid for. There would be no debt. If everybody just did the same, 10%. 10%. And God said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. That's his promise. That's his promise. If, a, if 100% meets all your needs, then keep your money. But if you're like most of us, amen, 100% of your salary, whatever income you have, doesn't meet all your needs. So God said, if you'll honor me first, I'll bless you abundantly. That's his promise. And I don't know about you, but men always disappoint you, but God will hold his promise to be true. He said, if you'll be faithful, I'll be faithful. All I need is for you to honor me first. God doesn't need my money. I mean, if the Bible's true, they walk on gold in heaven. Really. He doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. Show me your checkbook, and I'll tell you where your heart is. And God, all God wants is a demonstration of your heart. Can you trust me? Because you trust your job or trust the government, and they always fall short. But if you trust me, I'll never fall short. Honor me first. So you love God's house through your attendance, through your tithe. And then you love God's house through your service. You are examples if you're here today. You're examples. You've either given your life as a staff member, you've given your life as a volunteer. You understand servanthood. And let me help you with this, too, because you need to know that service is of God. And in Matthew 23, 11, it says, The greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will not have a title that will dominate you. You, you, the greatest among you will be the servant. You want to be great in the kingdom of God, you serve. You serve. Well, I want to be an elder. I want to be this or I want to be that. And as if a title gives you significance, servanthood gives you significance. Serve people and you'll always be blessed. So you love God's house because you serve God's house. And, and when you serve God's house, if you're a volunteer, you're not a staff member, you're a volunteer, you don't get paid, you are offering something that God is looking for, your service. The Bible says, give, and it shall be given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You know that scripture, and usually we read that at offering time. But tonight I'm going to talk about service. Is that all right? So you're a servant, and you serve, and you volunteer. You're not being paid. That's a seed of service. And the Bible says, give and it. Have you ever studied the word it? It refers to what is given. And so whatever you give, it shall be given to you. So if you give service, if you give love, if you give kindness, if you give a handshake or a hug, it's going to be given back to you. Pressed on, shaking together, running over. In other words, it's going to be multiplied. So if you serve and you're not calling on God to bless that, Back to your life, you're missing out on your harvest. Given it shall be given to you. So if you serve, that's your time and your energy and your love. Expect time and energy and love to be given back to you. Amen. It's a promise of God's word. So if you've given over this month, you know, eight hours of service, 
God's going to multiply. You watch something that should take you an hour to do, you're going to do in 10 minutes. Something that, that, that all of a sudden you just feel like this need that you're not appreciated. Somebody's going to give you a call and say, man, I just wanted to call you and say, you're a wonderful person. You have blessed my life. Thank you for being you. And it's going to be given back to you. So I just want to encourage you that when you serve God's house, he gives back to you because you're servants. Amen? Okay, just a couple of more. A leader, number five, a leader loves the people. A leader loves the people. Leadership, when you're a leader in in a ministry, whether you're staff or volunteer, you are loving the people. You can't afford not to love the people and be a leader. Cannot. I had a pastor tell me one time, he said, he said, I love the ministry if it wasn't for the people. I looked at him and said, brother, go sell shoes. Get out of the ministry because it's all about the people. Is it always easy? No, sometimes it's really hard, but you've got to love people. Jesus loved people. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. It's all based on our love. You've got to love the people. So when you're back there at children, amen, love those children. That's a gift. Last Two Sundays ago, we had 484 children in our children's church. They told me that, and I started shaking. And I wasn't even back there, but they, even the thought of that just unnerved me. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, they'd had to carry me out on a stretcher. 484 children. But, you know, there were 70 people that were volunteering back there that were loving those children. And when their parents came out of a great service, the children said, Mom, it was so great. It was so fun. And my, my little um, grandson is going to a Christian school, and, and his parents are, are, are saved, but they're, they're not really strong Christians. And, and uh, he, said, he said, I learned about God today. They talked about God more than they did the son. <laughs> and I said, wow, that's great. And one day after school, he came to our house, and he said, he said, Papa, he calls me Papa. He said, Papa, he died. I said, who died? He said, God. I said, yeah, but, but you don't understand that he, he's alive. You know, all those little kids you watch in the superpowers, how they, he had super, super power. And he overcame death, and he's alive today. And he smiled, and he said, that's good, Papa. <laughs> He's just five, but I mean, you understand? So, so we, have, we have the joy of loving people. And when you don't feel like loving people, that's where the love of God comes in. When you've had a hard day and your boss just went crazy on you or, or children were, were out there and you have teenagers, that speaks for itself, and... and things just didn't go perfectly and you don't feel like coming to church. I had a lady tell me one time, she said, I'm here this morning. I said, yes, sweetie, I can see that. I could tell she had an attitude right away. And she said, well, I'm here. I said, yes. And I said, I was glad to see you here this morning. And she said, well, I just wanted you to know because I don't feel like being here. I said, well, it's good to be here then. 
And she said, I don't feel like worshiping. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to worship. And I said, are you saved? She said, Pastor, you know me. You know I'm saved. I said, well, if you're saved and don't worship, you are a hypocrite. Because Jesus isn't worshiped because we feel good. He doesn't worship. We don't worship him because everything is perfect in our lives. We worship him because he's God and he's God all by himself. And he deserves to be worshiped because he saved our souls and gave us eternal life. And whether you're going through or not doesn't matter. He's still God and he's still worthy of our worship. So even when you don't feel like loving people, you love people because God gives us love. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts so we can love when we don't feel like it. Unless your emotions are stronger than God's love, which they ain't, so don't love people. Amen. Come on, say love people. First John 3, 11, 14, we know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. We know that God really rules in our hearts because we love each other. By this, all men shall know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. They know you're followers of Christ because you love people. When other people don't love people, you love people. So you, as a leader, we love people. Amen? And then lastly, and I'll I'll take some questions if you have them, um, we love the lost. As leaders, we love the lost. Some of the children that you take care of in that daycare, their parents don't love God. They're not learning about God. But you can love them with the love of God. And so we love the lost. We love people that aren't in church. I just did a seminar in Tulsa called The Front Door. And I said, the problem with most churches is they don't have a front door. And the lady said, oh, pastor, we have a front door. I said, no, you don't. You have a door that has the symbol that, w- that was made on jackets for a long time, several years ago, called, called Members Only. And it's not, it's not in bold letters, not bright letters. It's kind of faint, but it just says Members Only. It's telling people that they're really not welcome if they don't dress right, they don't look right, they don't walk right, they don't live right during the week. They're not welcome here. Well, we'd never say that. No, but if everything else says that and they feel that because they don't, they don't look the same, they don't act the same, they don't even smell the same, they might smell like alcohol or tobacco or whatever the case. Well, they need to clean up their lives before they come to church, really. Just like you were a totally wonderful, perfect person before you came to church, right? No, you brought some stuff in too. We all have stuff. And so we got to love the lost. Quit calling them heathens and sinners. Call, call them wandering saints or whatever, you know, because God died for them. He died for them. So they just need to make their way back to the house of God and welcome them, love them into the kingdom. Hatred and resentment won't bring them in the kingdom. Love will. You got to love the lost. You got to love the lost one. When the pastor said, bring the lost, invite them to church. You know how many people invite people to church? Less than 1% of the church. Invite people to church. And then we wonder why we're not growing. We're not growing because the people aren't enthusiastic about bringing people to church. If you bring them to church, God will do the rest. But they got to come to church. Well, I don't want to get in deep theological 
conversations that makes me uncomfortable. Well, don't talk about the end times and revelations and great white throne judgment. Don't talk, talk about what God's done for you. Invite them to church. And if you don't go to the church, invite them to your church. We have, we have a card that's in our lobby of our church, and it says at the top of it, if we're not your cup of tea, and then we list five churches in the area that are great churches. So we say if we're too loud, if we're too this or we're too that, and you, you know, you, you want something different, if we're not your cup of tea, here's some churches. Go to one of those churches. But you need to go to church because we love you, right? Find something that, that you can fit in with, but find something. We have to love the lost. Leaders love the lost because we care about people. And we know what happened to us one day, and what happened to you can happen to somebody else. Amen? So these are just six basic principles of leaders, but there's things that we can't forget. We, we can't lay these things down. We need to renew them every day of our lives. Amen? Just basic stuff. But basic stuff is powerful. These six principles are just powerful. If you keep these six principles living in your life, you're going to be productive. And God's going to track you down and send blessings to you. Amen? He's going to search for you to get you a blessing because you're living right and doing right and you are a child of God. None of us are perfect, you know, but we're, we're not. It's not perfection, it's progression. Right? Because if it takes perfection, we're all done in this room. We're all done. If you think you're not done, you're really done. Because you're carrying the spirit of pride in your life. We're all imperfect vessels that God has chosen to use. But if we let him use us, he can bless the world through us. Amen? He can bless the world through you. So, again, thank you. I wanted to remind you of these principles. Uh, I tried to keep to my time. Am I doing all right? Okay, so I wanted to just give you some basic principles and encourage you. You're all leaders. These are six principles that need to be active in your life so that God can continue to use you and take you to new levels. Thank you for loving those children. I don't know how many. How many children are back there in the weeks? A couple hundred? Yeah, a couple hundred in the daycare, in the school, a couple hundred young people and children. Thank you for loving them. Thank you for caring about them. Thank you for teaching them. Thank you for showing the love of God to them. Keep doing it. But don't lose yourself in the midst of it. Keep yourself refreshing in God. Stay among the fellowship of the saints. Amen. Be faithful to God. Serve him on a daily basis. Love people. Love the lost. Let's see what God can do. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters tonight. Thank you for all that they do. May they be encouraged tonight. May they somehow be refreshed tonight. May something that I may have said on your behalf have touched their lives to say, work on this little area because it will help you and move you forward in a greater way. Whatever it is, God, I thank you that let this last hour and a half or hour be, be something that, that they take home that said, I needed that. I really did need that word, that encouragement. 
I thank you, Lord, that their greatest days are yet ahead. I pray your greatest blessing on their service for your kingdom. Use them, O God, and continue to grow this church. Continue to grow that daycare center. Continue to grow that school. And let the lives of children and young people and adults continually be changed for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name. Can I get a big amen? Amen. God bless you tonight. Amen. I'll take questions if you want or do whatever you need. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.net.